gotta throw the shakas, man. You gotta throw the shakas. <laughs> we should have a shaka podcast. <laughs> hang loose one. Oh, there's a whole thing on shakas. There's like, you know, the hang loose shaka. Yeah. And then the hey, what's up, shaka? High up, high up yeah. here. And then there's like the I'm tough shaka. You know, it's kind of you just gotta you're you're pumping that bicep with the, I, the strong. Shaka. I kind of like this one recently. No, you gotta you gotta have the you know the you got the the punch out shaka where you're punching out with your yeah. uh tricep you know you kind of tighten it in and yeah. then you get the you have the pull in shaka where you're pulling it in and you know doing the curl the shaka curl oh, wow. yeah. about this. hey what's up you should just add that to ev- the end of every segment and then just collect them all a shaka how to yeah like... <laughs> and then it's like yeah shaka where you give the two shakas and you give the big smile yeah <laughs> i don't have any more shakas Okay, welcome back to Hawaii Real, everybody. If you haven't yet, if you're watching this video on YouTube, hit that subscribe button down below. That'll help this channel out uh, so, so much. Just help us grow, help us get new guests, and help continue the channel and continue getting on these great episodes. Uh, today, I have with me entrepreneur, creative director, John Kiloha Garcia. You might know him from a bunch of projects. He's all over the place. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I want to get started quick because he has a lot to talk about. Awesome, you. Thank you so much. I'm, I like your setup. It's great. It's a great setup. But thank you were really into photography and I like how you're just coming over here and taking a bunch of pictures everywhere. I'm like, what, yeah, what, are, yeah. what are you doing, man? I mean, we, you know, I don't just talk about it. I think it's important to be a practitioner of your craft. Yeah. So. And we're talking about podcasts here. We're talking about you wanted to start your own little podcast hub kind of thing going. Yeah. So 2021, I think, is the year of um, of not theory and of action. Yes. Right. I mean, everybody says that about every year. And so over my career, over the last 20 years, I've done a lot in audio from like from being on recordings or being on shows. I've also had my own podcast. I had a YouTube podcast at one point. Um, and, you know, my role, I think, as a creative director here is more to help other people shine. You know, and so I think for the first time in a long time, I feel like, you know, it's time to come out with some thought leadership, um, but I can still uh, be true to who I am and, and build a hub for other people who want to do the same. Okay. So I usually ask this question kind of later on in the episodes with some of the guests, but what is your life philosophy? My life philosophy. That's a, that's a deep question. The first two things that come to mind is gratitude, I think, um, just because I feel like that's the one thing that if I'm feeling down or if I'm feeling defeated, I think if I focus on gratitude for long enough, things shift. And I think, you know, I've had some pretty unique um, struggles in my life that have taught me that um, adversity really is what I make it. And so, you know, I would say that's my philosophy. Be grateful and uh, nothing good gets away. No experience is wasted. And so I I, uh, carry that same philosophy through my work as a creative director. So what are you doing these days? Uh, um, being very grateful. <laughs> no, no, no. So, um, you know, I think I think we can probably put an archive on my life. Uh, right. You know, I've, I've been in Hawaii. I was born and raised here as a Hawaiian boy um, on the west side, mostly, and split between townie here on 17th Ave. And so I spent, like, my most of my childhood years growing up um, in my grandpa's house. You know, understanding that culture and that space and Nanakuli. And uh, during the week, I went to school at town. And so um, I'm spending a lot of my current days reliving those childhood memories, building, building things and building innovations and solutions that remind me what it meant to live in Hawaii in such an amazing time. And, um, and I think to just be in, a, in alignment with, with that part of me. So that's where I'm spending a lot of my time. Yeah, so we well, can dive into that. We can totally dive into like <laughs> everything because when I met you, you were in, you were very much into entrepreneurship and starting your own uh, different varying businesses and doing a lot of web work. Yep. Right. So a lot of people might know you from some of the websites you've done. You've done some pretty nameable websites here in Hawaii. Yeah. So I've been a web developer uh, right at right out of high school. Um, you know, I started learning web development. I started my my company right out of high school, and I was doing marketing for different you know for different brands and people. And so people in Hawaii mostly know my work uh, as a web developer. So I've worked on websites like uh, like zippies.com. Everybody knows zippies.com. Everybody com. knows yeah. zippies. Um, Kamehameha School's website, ksb.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paipaiohe'ia. There's a lot of honoluluadvertiser.com is another website that I helped to run for a couple of years when I was in journalism. 
Uh, and so, and you know, also another uh, website that people might know is Frolic Hawaii, uh, which was nonstop Honolulu. And that's another company that I started with, Diane So, uh, who is the editor. I see. Yeah, so you all around people, you know, they go to these websites and they look at these things and they yep. see the functionality of the websites, but they don't necessarily know all the work that goes into it in the background. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for working on those websites. Yeah, it's my pleasure. You know? Yeah, Zippies is, is good They've to They've redesigned it since. I'm going to take my jacket off. Oh, yeah. You mind? You're like uh, getting a little sweat in the top of yeah, your brow there, but... I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. they've, they've since redesigned their websites. So, mm -hmm. You know, I can't take credit for that anymore. <laughs> so before you came back to Hawaii, because you were in New York for a little while. Yep. What were you doing there? Sure. What, what just... brought Hawaii boy over there? I was exiling. Exiling? Yeah. What made you exile from Hawaii, do you mind? Yeah, you know, I think... Um, I was feeling a little claustrophobic in my own market. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think after so long, I, I was kind of, I felt like I was running out of time and like seeing the world, even though I've been, I've been very fortunate to travel, um, to a lot of different places. I felt like I've never been away to build something. And so this is my chance to really, um, go and explore myself, understand who I am. And so I did. Do you recommend that for Hawaii, Hawaii people to, you know, that are stuck? In a, in a I was rut. recently, um, I was in a meeting with an entrepreneur and he said, um, I think it's so important for, for Hawaii people, for Hawaii kids to go away and like find themselves. And I think there's lots of value to that, but I think it's more important for them to find themselves here in the context of Hawaii. And so going away made me realize how much I need to be back here mm -hmm. and seeing other people's cultures and seeing how much they celebrated the things in their life and their Ohana um, taught me that I could be doing the same. Here. And so that's what, right. yeah, here, here with my Ohana, with my, with my family and friends. Yeah. So how, how was that transitioned to you when you came back and you're, you're doing some native Hawaiian stuff right now, right? I am. I am. And so the transition there was great. A lot of people are like, well, it must be different. They're both islands, you know? Oh, Manhattan. Yeah. yeah Manhattan and Hawaii. And so there are similarities geographically, but, um, that's about it. Well, they well, do have L and L. Here's what I'll tell you. New York has just like Honolulu culture. Mm -hmm. a lot as a melting pot for it's like a huge melting pot a lot of lifestyle culture right yeah. so music cinema cinema maybe more la fashion mm -hmm. art graffiti soho canal street all of these iconic places fun fact that's where my grandparents met canal street no so, uh, my grandpa my, my grandfather hawaiian boy he's you know from hawaii meets puerto rican grandma in uh I think they were in Brooklyn at the time we we mentioned this before i'm hawaiian puerto rican too yeah and so word yeah word I would, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the Puerto Rican equivalent of that. Wepa. Wepa? Wepa. Okay. Yeah. Exclamation. And so actually New York was also a big part of understanding that side of my heritage. Yeah. You know, um, huge as, Puerto Rican, uh, yeah, huge Puerto Rican population, there. population Spanish population, mm -hmm. and also a hub for, um, for cultures. Mm -hmm. When you think a lot about like, Staten Island and immigration and, um, and sort of getting like these gut feelings that my, my ancestors traveled my, on my, on my Latino side, traveled through New York to Hawaii. Right. And so I don't know much about my grandfather. Um, he passed away when my father was five, but, um, I can still feel him. You know, I felt him through my father and what he didn't know about my grandpa, but that was, uh, you know, for as proud of, and I say this all the time, for as proud as I am at, uh, being a native Hawaiian, um, I was closer to my father growing up. And so I'm like, I'm most afraid of that side, but I'm super proud of it. And so, you know, I think once, um, I weigh find within this space of, uh, Hawaii, you know, then I can branch off and explore Europe, uh, Europe. and nice. unite the two land bases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a little about me. What are you going about? And, uh, what are your, what are your aspirations in Europe? Probably, um, international recognition for, uh, for our people. Mm. you know, um, as sophisticated as we were yeah. prior to the overthrow. Um, and I think, um, I think uncovering the ancient technologies like Ahupua'a and, uh, the phenomenon that is the spirit of Hawaii, Aloha. Um, I think these are all models for world peace. As weird as it sounds, I think the world needs it, but we can, we can tell the story of our people and, and the history of its sophisticated, uh, culture, language, and religion. I think through our actions now. And so a lot of that's deep kilo and understanding the systems that used to exist and then creating technologies to revive them. Right. Cause, um, yeah, I just had a, another guest on prior to this. He's talking about Kalakaua was one of the first, um, uh, heads of state 
in the world to circumnavigate the globe. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're trying to bring back uh, more of a Hawaiian traveler type of aspect to this new generation that's growing up sure. and see that, hey, you don't just live on the rock. Like we have to also spread the aloha throughout the world and show the world what we have to offer, but then bring, you know, learn from the world also, bring that back to Hawaii. I think it's super important. Like it starts with self-awareness. For me, I gained that self-awareness by traveling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whether it was it was for the Honolulu advertiser, I had to sort of travel digitally, right? For Kamehameha schools, travel physically and get that knowledge. Um, and so now, you know, as an executive advisor at the Nation of Hawaii, we're doing both. You know, we've, we're working on nation building in the digital space. We're incorporating and infusing technology and innovation into the work that we're doing uh, to help people at the beach right now in Waimanalo. Um, and so it starts with getting our aina back and you know, whether we acquire it or wait for a process to happen um, and getting those people off the streets, getting our family off the street and doing actual things to solve uh, the issues within the social pillar for our people. And that's that's a good topic to dive real, John, is um, using technology to affect and help um, not just the native Hawaiians uh, in, in terms of sovereignty, but also mm-hmm. just like uh, you're describing, like the homeless people in, you know, uh, Waimanalo mm-hmm. or in mm-hmm. anywhere on this island yep. is um, can we use technology and how are you guys using technology mm-hmm. to um, help them, so to speak? Sure. Can we? Yes. How we are. Um in many different ways, I'll name one. So a project that we started actually in 2019 in partnership with the Internet Society at Pu'ohunu Waimanalo for Nation of Hawaii is our community broadband network. And so if you think about uh, think about school in 2020 You're right. with no internet. Doesn't happen. And so the mission of uh, Internet Society is that uh, safe, usable internet access is a form, it's a basic human right. And so that's their mission. These are the people that actually created the internet. Mm. And so they helped in supporting Nation of Hawaii to bring internet to our land base, which for the past 30 years has been building a nation within a nation without an internet and with spotty internet. Right. And so, you know, since probably the early, early 2000s when internet started becoming accessible, there were satellite dishes. And I haven't even talked about the other infrastructure of the land base. We're talking about internet. Mm-hmm. There were any homes here. These people were houseless when after the occupation, Uncle Bumpy took about 200 people up there, and this is this is the start of building what is the Pu'uhunua now. Mm-hmm. And so there are homes now. Everyone there built their own homes, right? They used to be tents. It used to be just a platform. And so bringing internet to the land base brings an entire digital world to it, right? It opens up and it allows us to express uh, our indigenous rights on a global scale digitally. You know, it allows our kids to attend Zoom classes. It allows their parents to watch this podcast, you know, and it allows us now to uh, to instill hope back into our people through entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. through digital literacy, um, by giving workshops to our people about how to fly drones and just like elevating, elevating the native Hawaiian person to the level and stature that we once were. Right. It's like bringing, you know, there's so much um, of the economy nowadays that is just done digitally. You know, you have people work, quote unquote, working from home and doing online businesses and stuff like that from mm-hmm. just the comfort of their bed with right. a laptop, yeah. you know? So that whole digital internet part is probably what was missing from, uh, you know, the Hawaiian movement over there. Mm-hmm. And once you bring that in, you open up all these doors, you know, mm-hmm. you open up entrepreneurship, you open up business, you open up sales, you open up banking, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that maybe weren't accessible without, aren't accessible without the internet. Sure. You know, you attach the internet to that. And you, yeah, you open up all these doors of possibilities. You can start to heal. Yeah. 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 And so mm, that's like kind of deep when I say it that way. But when someone has hope, I think when someone has resources and they feel supported, then that's when we can start to break through like insecurities about ideas and things like that. Mm. I spend a lot of time with people and people hire me to help them launch their ideas. We give it a name, we give it a face, but mostly people hire me to kick ideas out the door. Because I think that like at the core of launching something is like the, the need to be okay with it, be pa'a with it, and then letting go. And I don't think that it's, it's not necessarily about people not being able to launch an idea or they're being, they're procrastinating or like they're not in good relationship with their word. They're just holding on to it so much that they don't never ever let it go. And so creating a safe space for that kind of expansion and instilling the idea to shift the mindset beyond like scarcity thinking to all ideas are great and we come up with new ones every day. It's just, I think having self-awareness to discern which one should go now mm. is the magic. That is the magic. And that is the hard thing 
you know, mm-hmm. and we just had this debate uh, before we started rolling about, you know, what is the worth and the value of an idea? You know, my thing is like, if it's an idea that's just in your head mm-hmm. and you haven't shared it with anybody yet, mm-hmm. its value is, is worthless until you do something with it. Mm-hmm. And once you start sharing it verbally or writing it down on paper and actually, you know, handing it out and getting that idea into other people's heads, mm-hmm. you know, that's when you start to build value on it, at, at, you know, bit by bit. And until you actually take action on the idea to um, implement it, it's not really worth anything prior to that. Sure. Definitely. And and so my rebuttal to that was, well, you could sell ideas and do nothing with them and just dream them up. If right. You know, but, th- but then you're actually doing something with yeah, the idea. Yeah, you're putting so, it yeah, into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. There's many different uh, ways to look at the ideation process. Right, right, right. Um, but I, I think like innately, we're all creators. I yeah. feel like everyone has a dream. Everyone's got an idea of why something should be better. Um, I think the variable comes when when you want to reach a critical mass and like your intent behind having a passion and solving that challenge. Right. It could be something that's totally useless to most people. It doesn't matter. I think I think training ourselves to be more um, uh, more in alignment with the things that we really love, not not necessarily why. Right. But like starting there so that we can express from true choice instead of like expressing because I think this is what people want to hear. So that's another that's another podcast. Yeah, it's hard to hard to differentiate too. Like, yeah. what do Directors, I want like to share? Two minutes share? left. Two minutes left. No, no. <laughs> it's like, what do I want to share versus what do people want to hear? Right. Yeah. That that's always a disconnect, and you have to almost self criticize when you're talking about like sure. you know, debating on what to share. Sure. Well, but people start editing what they should share based mm-hmm. on what people think instead of getting the whole picture, the entire exhale of their aspirations, and then saying, "What's the best way for me to design this in the context of who wants to hear my message?" And so that's a different mindset from like, oh, 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 okay, I'm good with that. And then you're back to like a level one. Right. So you want to like give it that expansive space and then create the perfect scenario and then understand who you're speaking with and then see what happens. <laughs> the rest doesn't matter. You can't really, unless you're psychic. And I mean, a lot of intu- intuition goes into this work. And so I you kind of, you design for the failure too. But you, well, that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't fail, you don't learn and you don't learn, you're not going to grow. So risk versus risky, right? We're talking about like lean startup methodology and like, you know, incubating ideas now, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know, I think it starts with self-awareness and like the journey, like putting rigor, Ira Glass, when he's a NPR host, you know, famous thought leader says, you really won't feel good about your work until you put a volume of work out. And for a long time, many years, you'll feel like you're just not really hitting the mark. And so, but you won't get there until you actually like, like put the work in. So a lot of, you know, you put 10,000 works to put 10,000 hours in. Yeah. It's all the way you really know how. Okay. So, so like in the context of, um, of procrastination and launching things and, and doing things that you love, Mm -hmm. um, what was the biggest obstacle for you, uh, in launching Hawaii Real? And I think real quick, I want to make a comment. I was, I was taking a shower this morning and I was like, man. EO was like a couple years ahead of this. Oh, you're thinking about me curve. in the shower? I was, bro. It's Valentine's I was, Day. Hey, <laughs> I, was using, I was using my own soap brand too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was taking showers where yeah. I have my most profound thoughts. And I was like, man, like I recognize that EO was really on the curve of this podcasting thing. And so I'm seeing a curve here that applies more to me in me trying to do my own thing. And so what was the biggest hurdle in you um, like launching it and doing the thing? Hmm. Hurdle, hurdle, hurdle. So my biggest hurdle, and it continues to this day, is finding guests. And I've always wanted to do the podcast with an an interview style where it's a guest um, that I can talk to and and question and hear their story. Um, Not necessarily interested in my story, even though people are like, dude, you have such an interesting story. You should share some more and and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I think um, along the way, the the biggest hurdle has been that is getting people on the show and, and, you know, finding um, scheduling conflicts mm-hmm. and stuff like that and just getting them on the show. As far as like starting the podcast and everything, once I um, got an idea like this in my head, um, so my creative process is this. If I get an idea in my head that I like and I think um, I want to look at or I want to buy or I want to um, pay money for or to see or something like that, I look for it in, on the internet. I Google it, YouTube it, whatever. If I can find it, great. Uh, I might be a customer. If I can't find it, I might have an idea to create it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that led into my original um, product for Rollerfly. Um, I, I would have loved to have just been able to buy 
a device like Rollerfly, my hockey device, for everybody that doesn't know, Rollerfly.com, um, I would have loved to have been a customer and buy it instead of going through the heartache of creating it. But it didn't exist. It just didn't exist in the world. There was a need for it. I needed it. And I knew if I needed it, somebody else needed it. Sure. So create it. Um, with the podcast, kind of similar thing. I love watching Joe Rogan. I love watching London Real um, and some other podcasts. And so I looked, hey, does Hawaii have a podcast similar to, in, in fashion to Joe Rogan or London Real? No, we, we didn't. We had podcasts, but nothing to the uh, quality extent that they had where you had a one-on-one -on -one interview mm -hmm. where you're really getting to the depth of um, a guest and um, the video quality is good, the audio quality is good. And it comes out, you know, hopefully weekly. And so that didn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it. You know, there were, like I said, there were other podcasts that were okay. And there are some really great podcasts out there from uh, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, but when I didn't find what I was looking for, I said, hey, okay, create it. Sure. You and, know, those are, I think, in my career too. I think the ideas that I felt like I wanted the most are the ones that I had the most passion about to finish. And to actually, like, build it and get it to a place where it has some commercial viability. And so kudos 60 plus episodes later 60 plus episodes yep still going you know fun fact on podcasts most don't make it past seven episodes that's so funny i was yeah. like yeah my podcast the other day is called the john and alex show the john and alex show mm -hmm. and it was uh it was just a sad idea i think it was like the start of a year of course you know hey, let's start a podcast and there was this girl um alex roth and at the time she was doing communications for uh malama honua mm-hmm and I liked her style. I was like, hey, we should do a little little talk story, a little 30-minute thing. So we did it for uh, like eight weeks. <laughs> we had eight episodes, whatever it was. And that was it. It was like, it's not easy to keep up with a weekly it's schedule. Not. And so, you know, I think over the years producing content, we get better at scheduling things. We get better at um, uh, production flow. You know, we're shooting like 10 episodes at once. Then we, we cruise for a couple months. And you can't cruise. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Well, that, exactly. that's the hard part. I mean, about this. Well, you don't have to find like 12 more. Uh, well, maybe you should. You should. <laughs> first first episode from EO's masterclass on how to build a, a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to I got to change up uh, the podcast a little bit and try to find more ways or an avenue to um, turn it into something lucrative where it is, you know, commercially viable and sure. it does have actual tangible value mm -hmm. as opposed to just talking as a hobby. Sure. Well, I'll tell you that the common denominator, whether it's like a, whether, when I'm talking to a company, whether it's a startup or it's an $11 billion corporation, it always comes down to content. And so I think that you have the surface area, you've built the surface area up, if not an experience in thought leadership, you could probably recut a lot of the stuff. You can reimagine it. Um, but you've got the stuff that people are trying to create and make, and you've got the consistency of it. And so now you're in a really fun place where you can start to understand the impact you've made. You can start to understand what your product is and who's watching, what makes it what makes it exciting for them, and you know dial that in. Just cool. Yeah, it is cool. Sounds like a vision board's in your future. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I look back, it's like yeah, I've been doing this podcast for over a year. You know, I'll try to get one episode out uh, a week. So 60 and you're, you're recording episodes. them as like like live. So yep. like this is going well. It's like not next live week or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's like one for one kind of thing. Right, right, right. You're, right. Living, you're living paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kind of. If I miss this one, we don't eat. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I set up a guest that's like, hey, uh, can you can you can you come on the show like in three days? You know, it's like, oh, okay. You yeah. know, and I have I've you know, in the month of January I had a lot of people cancel. So I was like, it was hard. So mm -hmm. I, I haven't been putting out stuff and then my work schedule changed mm -hmm. uh for my regular job. And so it's been harder for me to actually uh, focus on the podcast and stuff. So sure. Definitely. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a good idea to do another model of like, you know, uh, having questions submitted and like single podcast type thing in the can for a rainy day, you know, or I don't know. Maybe, maybe, or just do it myself. Yeah, just like, no, yeah, totally. myself. I'm thinking of like you know some of the podcasters. When I was in New York City, there there were a bunch of radio people that I hung mm -hmm. out with, and they all had like their own little uh, podcast platform, and they just did it. They're like kind of naturals. They're at their DJ booth, and they just turn the turn the camera on, and so it was like it was ready for them, easy for them. So I always think back to like, oh, what quality was that? They always had a really cool looking space. They always had swag. And then they just, it was more about like just tuning into the swag than it was what they were really talking about or who they were talking about. <laughs> Something you could rely on, my daily dose of swag. Just a thought. I feel like it's probably similar for people. Who I think my, if I was to do a single podcast show, that'd be like, I digress. 
Because I, I tend to do that, like talk about one thing and then turn off and go on the whole tangent on another thing and then come back and turn off on a tangent on the third thing. It's like, what is he talking about? Like, what's your podcast about? It's like, I don't know. Everything. Just talking. <laughs> Hawaii and real. Those it, are like our real. two uh, uh, standards. Right. Because you, hey, come on, everybody, Hawaii. You're sitting around talking with a bunch of friends, having some beers or whatever. What are you guys talking about? Everything. Everything like and the, the the conversation is never linear. Like it's it's just like a spider web, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's that's a lot of what these uh, podcast episodes have been like. It's sure. Been, you know, I actually like web. that. I actually like that open format. Yeah. Honestly, I think like topic driven is good, but I feel like a lot of times it's very like burr, 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 burr. it's the same stuff you've heard. You know, like start with the hard questions, yeah. and then we're like, what? Introduce your name for us at the end of it. <laughs> It's like, and by the way, I'm your host. You okay? It's it's been like half an hour. Then you're introducing. You know, funny fact. I didn't used to introduce myself in my podcast. I always wanted to be about the guest, so I would like focus my intro on the guest, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't actually introducing myself. Did I do it today? I don't even remember if I did. No. uh, Well, I remember your introduction to me. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're introduced. You want to reintroduce yourself? (laughs) Yeah. It's your host, Okay. Who? There's no okina in between the I and the O. No, that that means something completely different. That means like worm or something. It's in the song somewhere. The okina is in the front. I got it. So it's yo yo, the hawk, Hawaiian hawk, man. Yeah. Thank you for that. Olelo Hawaii. Did you see um, that Hawaiian movie on Netflix? Ohana. Finding Finding Ohana. Ohana. You know, not yet. And and this Jesus, it's been out for like three weeks. Come on, buddy. I know, I know, I know. And but I'll say this. I'll say this, uh, about 10, 10 people within my social networks over the past eight weeks have echoed to me about it and I have intent to watch it. I will. This is part of my, this is me process. staring at, this is me staring at him glaringly. It's <laughs> like, dude, no, okay. Will. So you had 10 people now, 11, yeah, maybe now 11 people where I have a conversation about it without me having seen it yet. So, oh, great I'll show. Watch it. Maybe that'll be the topic of my first podcasting, uh, episode. Maybe. Maybe. Great, you, fun, fun show. If you like the Goonies uh, growing up, this is kind of similar, but it has a real, real Hawaiian flair. Um, mm-hmm. But my thing that I was going to say about the show is that um, the brother in that show, the older brother, his name is Iwane. And they make it a great point throughout the whole movie to say his full name because he goes by E yeah. as, as a nickname. Mm-hmm. And um, I, to myself, I'm like, why would he go by E? Like, yeah. just E-O. Like, yeah, whatever. Interesting. You don't see Joseph called J. Right. I mean, I guess you could, but. You could. That's well, by the first letter. So do you think that Finding Oha, uh, finding Ohana was a good representation of the culture and the place, the essence of Hawaii? Um, for for Hollywood, yes. Mm. You know, and you have to realize, and I know native, or not just natives, but locals here might have a different opinion and might see that show and be like, yeah, you know, it's really stereotypical kind of thing, but you have to realize that they're showing it to the world, right? Mm -hmm. So the world is going to have to see that. The world is going to have to be entertained by it. It can't just be something that is um, just entertaining to locals here. Sure. So on that level, I think it worked. Uh, There's a lot of um, cultural insight in there. There's a lot of historical liberties taken, but it's, it's 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 a fictional movie. Sure. Yeah, I respect that. I, I believe as long as the director has the right intent and, um, you know, can defend the work that's done. Yeah, the, the intent is definitely to defend and promote um, Hawaiian culture, Hawaiian history, Hawaiian ancestry. Sure. So in that respect, I think they did a good job. Sure. Same director as Aloha, I think, from what I've heard. Which was weird because that blonde haired girl was Chinese in that movie, Aloha, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Style? Style, okay, but again, they're trying to fo- they're trying to get a, a larger audience, right? right? So you can't just get local Viability, local actors, sure, definitely. So she was probably the only one available for the job too, maybe. <laughs> nah, nah, it's good. I think that um, you know I'm excited to see more content um, by people from Hawaii telling our stories, you know, or maybe even like a Hollywood director too that you know they are Hawaiian. I know Momoa is doing a lot of things in that space. Um, I think largely more for culture centered around the stuff he loves. Um, I think he's an amazing storyteller. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow like On the Rome and some of his podcasts, video podcasts, Jason Momoa. No, but I'll have to. Check it out. He's got great stuff. Shoots everything on the red. Loves he has like a vintage Leica camera collection. 
motorcycles, all that. He's got time and money to do <laughs> Liberty, you know, but he's like, he's, so he's creating content, documenting his That's life good. while he's doing like paid stuff for Harley Davidson and wow. other brands. And then he's got, it's a production company. And so it's, it's capturing the downtime within like, within projects, between projects. He was doing a uh, stand up paddleboard thing too. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, like a Hawaiian or Polynesian uh, patterned flair to it. Cool. But yeah. it's based out of Australia or something. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know. I think more of that representation globally would be great. Right. And I guess that, that kind of transitions into another thing, like Hawaiian uh, culture and promoting the Hawaiian economy mm-hmm. uh, is not necessarily, especially in the digital age, something that has to take place here on the island. Virtual. Yeah, no, it's about exchange, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about like, um, it's about exchange, human connection. And so... You know, that's, uh, it's actually at the genesis, I think of everything, right? It's the connection and then there's the type of exchange that's happening. And then there's like the byproduct of that, of that exchange. And you kind of had an app for that. I actually started an app for that last year. It's called Exchange Avenue. Okay. Straightforward. Uh, and I call it a digital economy. Is it on both Apple and, uh, Android? Neither. Okay. Yeah, neither. It's actually, it was built in a a no code platform that Hmm. doesn't require the access to uh, App Store, or Google Play. So they just access it via the internet? Browser. Browser. Mobile browser. Okay. Safari or, you know, if you're on your Android, whatever right. browser an Android has. Um, and it gives you a mobile user experience in just a, a web browser. Cool. Yeah. And so you install a shortcut on your desktop, you access it just like any, any browser and you authenticate through email. Interesting. So yeah. circumventing Apple and uh, Google Play. Yeah, we just, uh, you know, this is the technology that was available to us and it mm-hmm. doesn't, Im- being on those platforms doesn't impede us from reaching the people we want to reach. Right. Right. We're not, Exchange Avenue wasn't built and wasn't meant uh, to create something that we're going to exit from. You know, we're creating something that has multi-generational value for, in perpetuity. I don't really have an exit strategy for the company, but in a nutshell, I'll tell you what it is. It's a mobile app yep. and it's a digital economy that allows barter and trade uh, mechanics between neighbors. So a digital ahupua'a. So kind of like Craigslist, but you're not necessarily putting things up for sale. You're putting things up for barter. Trade, barter. Correct. So at its core, uh, we facilitate the relationship the same way Craigslist would, mm-hmm. right? And so if you see something on our market that you want to barter for, uh, then you would just reach out via text or email. And that's it. So we create we create the space for the handshake, and uh, and the the people who actually have the currency define what the value is, right? And so the cool thing, or the cool thing, the historically accurate thing that we want to shed light on is that um, the Ahupua'a system, which our ancestors live lived in for you know for for generations, um, really was uh, like the OG social network in that it was a shared economy. Um, it was shared abundance. Um, Aloha Aina is what really kept it working. So if the land was healthy, the people were taken care of and resources were cultivated from mountain to ocean. And so if somebody needed something, there was someone who would procure it. And that was the symbiosis and the harmony. The, the real currency was Aloha. And so a lot of people attribute barter and trade to Ahupua'a, but that didn't happen until like plantation days. And so that concept in like a value for value trade didn't exist. It was predicated on unmeasured gift. And so if I was the Kalo man or if I was the farmer, I had such an abundance mindset that I just gave to whoever needed and anything that I needed, I got. That was just the unspoken word. And so a lot of our mission at Exchange Avenue is to restore these ancient economies and be a portal to those technologies that our ancestors pioneered. Yeah. But in a modern way, using technology. Correct. Using and, a modern, uh, using a mobile app platform. Right. Yeah. We're bringing back that economy. What's one example of um, a successful bartering system or a successful barter uh, transaction? That yeah, you know? sure. So right now, if you're on Hilo mm-hmm. and um, you wanted to learn how to ride horses, you can do that. So there's horseback training, horseback riding lessons in exchange for fruits or veggies. Boom. That's awesome. Yep. Here's another one. Um, vegan ice cream company in Kauai. They're looking for botanicals and they're Mm -hmm. looking for like fresh fruits and veggies that are locally grown. So they're using Exchange Avenue to crowdsource resources Hmm. because you can't maybe buy strawberry guava or like star fruit. It's not maybe like readily available or things like Hanapepe salt or fresh grated coconut milk. Those are all on Exchange Avenue now. And so 
Um, it's really it's a people's it's a people's economy. You, um, our marketplace is home to uh, to goods and services beyond like things. You can actually exchange aloha, mentorship, events, oh. opportunities. These are all these are all inflection points for exchange. And so our app captures these functions and helps people to organize and connect better. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I, I haven't heard of that before this. Before mm -hmm. I talked to you about this whole app thing, I hadn't heard uh, of any kind of technological thing where they're mm -hmm. connecting people like that. Sure. There's barter and trade platforms out there. Mm -hmm. And so we call ourselves a barter and trade marketplace, but we're really we're really a digital economy that's built for indigenous people. And so we want our software to obviously go to the people of Hawaii first. We're working with Pu'uhunua Waimanalo now to roll this app out. We have over 800 members. I launched it last year through the Purple Prize, which is an indigenous incubator. And so um, that experience really gave me a lot of insight into how to technically launch a company. I've been launching it non-technical bootstrap for like the past 20 years. So this is the first time I get to like build an idea uh, in that way. And um, the Purple Prize, we ended up taking second place. We won 20K. What is the Purple Prize? <clears throat> it's an indigenous accelerator. And so it's, it's meant to take uh, design thinking from Y Combinator. So that same methodology and, mind, and mindset. So a six month program, and it takes an idea from concept to completion. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes Purple Maya and Purple Prize different is that it's through the lens of indigenous practitioners and, and it's through the lens of our EK. And so we can ideate from a more authentic point. Uh, and it also, they did an amazing job really at opening my eyes up to so many different aspects of, of bringing an idea into the world. Hmm. Major key. Major key. Thank you, Alec and the crew out there. <laughs> Major key. So, um, your exchange avenue, where do you see that going in the future? And is it, uh, is it where you need it to be or do you see it uh, growing? Uh, growing <laughs> for sure. So our plan is 18 to 24 months. We want to raise a quarter million to give us that runway. Mm -hmm. um, our long-term vision, I would say probably three to five years, we want to reach 1% of the global indigenous market. Which is what? 4.7 million people. Okay. Right. And so we know that if we can reach 1%, um, then we'll have a pretty good critical mass where yeah. we can build a $60 million a year company. That's huge. Yeah. And coming out of Hawaii. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's just the start because that's just the, the indigenous person. Mm -hmm. And so if we reach say 10% of the global population who's interested in doing barter and trade, paying a buck a month. You know, I think we can build over a hundred million dollar company. What's to stop somebody else from creating the same thing? Nothing, hmm. but it won't be through the lens of Hawaii. Unless they do, that'd be great. Please, Kanaka, let's create more of these exchanges. <laughs> um, yeah. But help here's our plan too, is we want to help to inspire other indigenous cultures by, by open sourcing our uh, software to other tribes and to other communities who need it. And so, the way that we've built it is actually allows us to switch out colors and language. And in oh. fact, we're talking to an organization in um, Costa Rica now mm -hmm. to, to facilitate a produce exchange in the Amazon forest using Exchange Avenue. So it's just another one of our profit centers. So is there a barrier with internet connection to indigenous people using the app? So historically, indigenous people have the bottom of the barrel for everything Yep, because of, because of the way that we were treated. And so um, we also, by, as a result, we have the worst social issues, health, housing, homelessness, mental health issues, multi-generational incarceration. And so um, barriers for indigenous people, no, email me. How do they email you? Oh, John and exchangeavenue.com. No, no, no. So, so we're getting to the point where we're, <laughs> oh, no, we're talking about like, um, so oh, you is, mean like is there a yeah. technical, actual, sure. physical handle um, mm -hmm. that, that is a barrier to indigenous people as far as having that connection? Sure. I, I went but, down a rabbit hole there, but yes, yeah. there is. Yeah, like there email are, me. It's like, how do I email you if yeah. I don't have well, internet I, I hope you. I hope you evaluate those yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. And so this is where like, this is where I think we have to work together to bring those resources to the yeah. places that need it most. Sure. So in the Estango, it's, that's uh, the exchange that they, that they create down there in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. um, they have uh, the women indigenous leaders who have internet access, they're using WhatsApp mm -hmm. right now. So you have like five or six different leaders who are going to a couple hundred farmers and purveyors to see what they have available and they make a list. And then once a month they meet at different areas and they do this exchange. And so we know for a fact that they can already access WhatsApp. So they have internet access. Not everybody has a mobile device, but our, our software will allow them to better curate the items. It'll create offline viewing. Like, you know, so let's just say 
the exchange happens at the first of the month. Um, you can load everything up a couple weeks earlier. People can place their orders in advance. We can create and facilitate that ledger system for the for the tribal leaders. And then they come and meet up, you know, and it's cool. So we start to keep track of what's available. We can then give um, the leaders and the organization data on how many exchanges it made, how many pounds of, of fruit and vegetables were exchanged. Mm -hmm. um, there were no bananas this month. Let's try and find a banana purveyor. So these are all ways that we can utilize technology to bring hope to that area. Not that they need it, but if we can help with technology that they wouldn't normally get, then we want to. Yeah, bringing technology into any household, any you know, anywhere is going to dramatically mm -hmm. increase the standard of living. Yeah, definitely. But also being mindful if they need it or not. And like, uh, and I think it's super important also because we haven't rolled out into any other um, communities beyond Hawaii yet. We're, mm -hmm. we're at Pu'onu Waimanalo and. We have exchange locations around the world within the map. If you actually go to our app now, you can you can be in Tbilisi, Georgia, and make exchanges right now. Ooh, yeah. So if I have people around, not the outside world, Atlanta, Georgia. You're talking about Tbilisi. the country, Georgia. Yeah, I think I don't know if I said that correctly. Tbilisi, Tbilisi. Tbilisi. So um, Tbilisi, and it's cool. It's easy for us to to add another location to the map. So right. say there's somebody in. Um, I don't know, New Zealand that wanted to make exchanges and do this stuff, then it just takes two people to have mm -hmm. an exchange in that area. And then that goes into our system, just like blockchain. We can see the exchanges that were made. Um, we can start to get a better idea of who's interested in this. We can build ambassadors that way. Um, but it's cool, you know, it's decentralized, it's hyper-local. You know, we're not looking to be, to have like 2 million people on every network. We might have 2 million different networks with a thousand people on it, you know? And so... We can also do decentralized exchanges for places like Kakako, where it's just residents of Kakako. We're talking to a few land developers down there wow. in doing a vertical village. You know, if, if let's just say that there's a developer out there who has multiple towers and you've got thousands of people that actually live under your brand, you've got this digital village now that you can actually understand who's in your community. You can connect people together and you've got like this private Craigslist. That's that like one, the first yeah. thing it does. It does a couple other... Right, a couple right, other right. things under the hood, but it's meant for deepening social exchange. Yeah. Off topic. I like to digress. Um, have you heard of um, Elon Musk's uh, internet, worldwide internet um, project? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Star something. Mm. God, I, I'm like butchering the name right now. But they're setting up. Uh, so Elon Musk has his uh, Space um, X program, yeah. right? And they're constantly setting up satellites, satellites, satellites. And um, so what their long-term goal is to put... Um, dozens and dozens of these satellites around the globe, and they're going to be internet satellites. Mm -hmm. They're going to project internet connectivity around the globe. So in essence, I think the long-term goal would be something to the effect of you could be in the middle of the ocean and still have internet connectivity, which is linked to the satellite. Sure. That's affordable to everybody. Sure. No, I think it's great. Accessibility is always good. I think yep. the question is, do I want to access Elon's internet? If I'm in the middle of like, the Mediterranean Ocean, probably. Yeah. You know, but if he's controlling the airwaves, I think it's pretty brilliant. But if you're downtown Honolulu, probably not. You know. Hey, we're we'll, looking we'll at see. we're looking at how can we create a, a safer, um, better space for Native Hawaiians who are who are browsing the internet. Mm -hmm. so how do we do that? I don't know. Getting Native Hawaiians on the internet. First part. Yeah, and sure. not just on the internet, but using it, you know, productively. Most definitely. So. Yeah. I think that's a that's a that's an ongoing project, and that's definitely the future. Yeah. You know, with the yeah. economy and everything going digital. Sure, that's, I mean that's where it is. You know, when you th when you understand the evolution of our Earth, like physically, and like the path that it's eventually going to as a burnt like a burnt up, spent, super black hole in like billion, 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 billion trillion years. Mm. Elon's like one of the few visionaries I think out there working on the big ones, like sustainable energy source, <laughs> yeah, or like self destruction, <laughs> things like that. Um, transportation right these are like main yep. modes of like main pillars and the mechanics of the world that he's working on and so you know i think it'd be awesome to have 40 more elons out there yeah because we can't even build a rail here <laughs> exactly Jesus. exactly it's not even about building a rail it's about transporting people right, right it's about like, moving people right but then so, then with the digital world it's like do you need to move that many people right so where know. are you running for mayor me never yeah. no yeah uh, I thought you were running for mayor. No. You got the name Garcia. <laughs> oh, Garcia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told my boys, hey, you guys should grow up and go into politics as brothers. That'd yeah. be fun. Hey, <laughs> I think we need more self-aware Hawaiians out there in that pillar, 100. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, so um, 
I've been in touch with the Native Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce. Mm. Hats off to them. Thank you. Um, and I like, uh, you know, how they're trying to get a lot more uh, Native Hawaiian business, not just business owners, but businesses. And I'm sorry, not just Native Hawaiian owned business, but businesses that also cater to and help out, you know, in some way, shape or form Native Hawaiians. Sure. Together. 100. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super open with that. Like, I don't think it's ever, you know, as, as much as I like to try and embrace my Hawaiian side, um, I don't think it's ever shame to like butcher some Olalovai or whatever you're trying, your intent is good. And I think the same for other people who want to, who genuinely want to learn. And maybe they, they don't have the cocoa, but I know some non-Hawaiians out there with more aloha than more, most people. And totally. so, yeah. you know, I, I like to try and bring that openness to the culture and uh, educate and learn more than like project. You do project a lot. Not talking about vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this but you have like here. this huge positive energy that is always projecting and every time i see you you know you're you got a smile on your face nice. and you're always got like something positive going even when you have negative outcomes in your life it's like you you have this positive energy it's really yeah. good to see thank you man yeah thank you i appreciate that eo eo yeah not eo yeah. i think EO. What is you know EO? what's interesting is it like worm or something i'm gonna, I'm gonna check out baby in the <laughs> uh, uh yeah thank you I appreciate that and I appreciate you having me on and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this platform expand. I think that this is such a grid a good example of um I mean you guys are only seeing the polished piece, but this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Yeah, there's a lot of background to um what's going on back here. There's a lot of hours put in um after the episode uh, is filmed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of work that goes in. I didn't realize how much work goes in to just sitting on your laptop or your computer mm -hmm. editing stuff and putting music to stuff and clipping here, clipping there and then posting it and you know, you're kind of throwing it on the wall and seeing what sticks. You know, some a lot of the stuff doesn't stick. So it's, yeah. it's not, it's not an easy process. No, it's good and bad. I mean, when we first met a couple of days ago and you asked me to come on the show, we talked about procrastination and we talked about like launching ideas and I have a little background in that. And so I think it's a good place to, to kind of round up. I'm going to ask you another question. Go ahead. Like if I was, if, what kind of advice do you have for people who are trying to start something in 2021? Um, and, and, and what would you, what would you say to get them over that hump? Uh, all right. So I have a thing and I'm going to have to bleep myself out here, but, um, I, I always use the F word a lot and it's a bad F word. Let's be real. It's not fudge. Um, I have to tell my own subconscious to effing shut up or to effing just do it a lot or to effing get up, get off the couch, get out of bed, you know, get this done. Just effing sit down and do it. A lot of times, you know, my subconscious, you know, my inner monologue is, is very lazy. He's a lazy ass, you know, and, and nothing would get done if I didn't have this other devil of a beast saying effing stop or effing do it, you know. Mm. So I think that is what goes on in my head. And I know a lot of people have that inner dialogue because they have that where it tells them don't do this because you're going to fail. No, you have to have that other dialogue saying, tell that other dighead to shut the F up and just do it. You might fail, but you're going to learn as you do it. You know, until you have that mindset or that voice in your head telling yourself to just do it, effing stop being lazy, get up and do it, get off the effing couch, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that's like the, the big thing that I have that I try to impart on people. It's just like... Tell yourself to shut up and do it. And that's Nike's slogan, right? Just do it. Just do it. Yep. You know, why do they have that slogan? Because that's that's your inner monologue mm -hmm. talking to you, telling you not to do something because it's hard or it's difficult mm -hmm. or it's too hot out or whatever, you know, just do it. Yeah. Fail. You're going to fail. You know, don't be afraid of failure. Um, but in, until you can do it, mm -hmm. until you can get that inner monologue in your head. And that can go for anything, not just building off your ideas that goes into, you know, building your health, starting a diet, mm -hmm. you know, going to the gym, mm -hmm. you know, going, you know, surfing, starting a hobby, you know, reinventing yourself, 100%. you know, just do it. Just have to do it. Yeah. It's not that difficult of a concept. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, when you watch like all the big podcasters, Gary Vee, all these guys, mm. and they cut like the hottest 30 seconds out of the thing and they promo it. That was the piece, right? There. That was the piece. That was your just, piece. Just effing do it. Yeah. Just effing do it. I could have a whole podcast just on 
whole episode and just having to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I like, I like to encapsulate that entire thought in a quote that's never underestimate the importance of diligence as a virtue. And so that F in part in me is just, I can be more diligent in this. I can be more diligent in that. And so just like for me, every single second, as soon as I'm met with like that energy of resistance then I'll switch or I'll just get over it. Just be diligent with it. Like life is a series of little motions, little commitments that we make. So yep. I keep it right there. Here, right there. When you add a million of them up though, you got a sick podcast. All right. Yeah. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. All right. We're closing out on time, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, John. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, the name of the website again? Exchange uh, Avenue? Exchange Avenue. Yeah. You can follow Is it dot .com or dot .org? It's dot .com. Dot .com? Yep. ExchangeAvenue.com. Uh, you can follow Exchange Avenue on Instagram at Exchange Ave. Okay. And you can follow me at John Garcia on Insta. Um, send me a request. It's private now. Um, you know, we're crafting interesting spaces for people to learn things in and express. And so I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing this live and doing my own content. Right on. Always a pleasure talking to you, John. Wow. All right. Everybody, as always, stay happy, Hoy. You got, got to throw the shakas, man. You got to throw the shakas. <laughs> we should have a shaka podcast. <laughs> Hang loose one. Oh, there's a whole thing on shakas. There's like, you know, the hang loose shaka. Yeah. And then the, hey, what's up, shaka? High up, high up yeah. here. And then there's like the, I'm tough shaka. You know, it's kind of, you just kind of, you're, you're pumping that bicep with the, I, the strong shaka. I kind of like this one recently. No, you got to, you got to have the, you know, the, you got the, the punch out shaka where you're punching out with your yeah. uh, tricep, you know, you kind of tighten it in and yeah, then you yeah, get the, much there. you yeah, have the pull in great. shaka where you're pulling it in and, you know, doing the curl, the shaka curl. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought about this. Hey, what's up? You should just add that to ev the end of every segment and then just collect them all. After A shaka how-to. Just yeah. like. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, shaka, where you give them the two shakas and you give them the big smile. Yeah. I don't have any more shakas. Fun times, man. <laughs> oh, I got a bunch. All right. All right. Thank Aloha. you.